And today we're going to be talking about the first track from Fulfilling This First Finale. And get used to me trying to pronounce that every single time. <laughs> uh, and it is called Smile Please. Released on the 22nd July 1974. On the track we have Stevie Wonder. Uh, we then have backing vocals from Denise Williams and Jim Gilstrap. Uh, on guitar we have Michael Cimbello. Uh, we've got Reggie McBride on bass. And doing bongos and congos we have Bobby Hall. Uh, the track is 3 minutes 24, and joining me to talk about today is Ollie Brady. Hello, Ollie. Hey, Darren. You know, the previous year, Innovisions did very well for Stevie Wonder. Uh, he won Grammy of the Year, I think. Um, and then this year, he also won Grammy of the Year. Uh, when he didn't release an album in 1975 and um, Paul Simon won Grammy of the Year, he opened his speech by saying, thank you, Stevie Wonder, for not releasing an album. Hmm. Um, because he pretty much figured whatever Stevie Wonder released would win album of the year. Of course, that was correct because <laughs> the next album won album of the year as well. So, uh, yeah, Stevie Wonder was on a run that I don't I don't know that anybody has kind of matched it since. Um, I know certain people have had like one or two albums that have won Grammy of the Year, but nobody has had this kind of stretch. Um, and, you know, Fulfilling This First Finale is a very awkward title, and I'm guessing it's probably because Stevie Wonder was like, I don't have to say it out loud, everybody else will have to say it out loud, you know? <laughs> so, like, why not make it as awkward as possible? Um, you know, the album was recorded between Los Angeles and New York, um, you know, using the record plant and uh, using Electric Lady Studios in New York, um, as had been, you know, I mean, he'd mostly done the previous two albums in Electric Lady in New York, uh, that was where his Tonto lived um, for like three years. Uh, and I think after this album, uh, they took it apart and they moved it upstate New York uh, to Malcolm Cecil's house. He basically had it back off him after he finished with this album. <laughs> um, you know, and the Tonto does not make an appearance on this track. Um, I think it's only the, I think it's only Creepin' and um, I think They Won't Go When I Go. I think there's only two tracks on this that have got the Tonto one. He's mostly using the Fender Rhodes and the uh, the Hona Clavinet. Um, and pretty much every album, the bass line is done by the Moog bass. And then, you know, as with this track, uh, supplemented by Reggie McBride on bass. At this point, Stevie is kind of used to using uh, many session musicians. Um, you know, Jim Gilstrip has basically been doing background vocals for him for the last two albums. Uh, Denise Williams has also been doing background vocals. Wait, Denise um, Williams as in... Let's hear it for the boys, Denise Williams. <laughs> I'm not sure if it is that Denise Williams, um, but I think it might be. Oh, Although, that would be deadly. I, I know, I know. I remember hearing that she was she's she's the same age as Stevie Wonder, and she would be she would have been friends at some stage. Like, so I just I just the idea of her, it's her singing the backing vocals on this, and also singing and belting it out on like Footloose soundtrack. It's I don't know what it is. It's just. It's a nice juxtaposition for me. Yeah, it is. It is that Denise Williams. She did do uh, Let's Hear It For The Boy. Uh, she, I'm Obviously, she's won a ton of Grammys by herself. That's the kind of interesting thing. Pretty much everybody on this album who does backing for Stevie Wonder has won Grammys. Uh, on the next track, uh, Paul Anker does some background vocals. 
Um, and then, of course, Minnie Ripperton does background vocals for Creepin yeah. uh, on the end of this side. Mean- and then Jackson 5 are the background vocals for You Haven't Done Nothing at the start of side two. So the Jackson 5 or, or just the Jacksons? No, they were still the Jackson <laughs> 5. They hadn't uh, they hadn't been sued yet. They wouldn't be sued until the following year. Um, and then also on the, on the final track, we have the Persuasions. So pretty much, you know, Stevie was like, if I need backing vocals, I could do them myself or... I can just get, I can just get like a boy band in to do them for Windows, me. They're good. Um, they'll, they'll start out for me, like. Yeah. Um, funnily enough, on the track "Jungle Fever," boys to men are backing vocalists on that for Stevie Wonder. The actual so, boys to men. Yeah. When, <laughs> so he, when did when did Jungle Fever come out? Nineteen ninety-one. And so boys to men weren't even. It's not like they were an unknown band. It was like they. Yeah. No, they were they were boys to men. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and the the song that he recorded with Prince, I think, um, on Vogue with the backing vocalists for that. As I well. love on Vogue. You know, he he's known to just bring in groups just to do backing vocals for him. Um, but I don't know. I, I I love this as an opener. I just think I think the funny thing about it is it has like that n- like nonsense chorus. Yeah, uh, which you know we can get into, but like we start with just Stevie's voice for the first like verse, and then when we get to the start, you know when we get to like the fifth line, which is you know don't mess up your face with bitter tears. That's when we get Denise Williams and Jim Gilstrap kind of coming in on backing vocals, and then when we get to the chorus, uh, you have Stevie kind of doing the main chorus line along with those two, and then you have like a second Stevie kind of doing the backing vocals, but with a slight echo. Um, so occasionally he'll like and then also we have this wonderful kind of noise that Stevie Wonder makes um, <laughs> in the chorus which we can obviously talk about but I just I don't know I kind of like this um, this this sentiment um, which you know Stevie has which again it, I don't know it feels very 70s um, you know a smiling face is, is an earth like star a frown can't bring out the beauty that you are <laughs> love within and you'll begin smiling. There are brighter days ahead. Come on, Darren. It's, tw- so it's, it's 2019. You need to be more woke than that. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously, because the title of the chorus is... Like, the title of the song is Smile, Please, which he only actually says kind of in passing on the outro, which I think is kind of interesting. Like, he has this long outro with the chorus, and then he says, please smile for me. So he doesn't ever actually say smile, please. He kind of just says it in passing. Um, but yeah, like it is basic. Like I mean, I think the kind of sentiment of "Don't mess up your face with bitter tears" because life is gonna be what it is, which is an odd rhyme for tears. But you know, my favorite, my favorite lyric is in the the second verse, where just completely out of nowhere, he just randomly goes, oh, "I love you, Captain Marvel, but you should <laughs> smile more." Like it's just it. You had said it to me beforehand. It is the kind of thing which in in our time, like now. If if Kanye West, not, and I want to stress this very, very strongly, I am not saying Kanye West is our Stevie Wonder, right? But if Kanye West was to come out and do a song called Jesus Says You Should Smile More, like <laughs> he would be thrown under the bus by a huge amount of, let's just call them the liberal media, right? Um, yeah. But at the same time, I don't, I don't get that vibe from Stevie Wonder's song. No. It's like the words are there, but it genuinely seems like it's more like for yourself. Yeah, this is it. Like the kind of each, each, like, I mean, particularly when he says it's okay, please don't delay from Smiley Ling. And then he's like, there are brighter days ahead. The fact that he's singing it with Jim Gilstrip and, um, you know, Denise Williams. Denise Richards, yeah. And I would, I would even, oh, Denise Williams, and I would sorry. even say this, I would say Kanye West isn't even this generation's Jim Gilstrip. Um, <laughs> let alone Stevie Wonder 
Um, but yeah, like it doesn't it doesn't feel like he's like this is this is like a bad thing. He's just basically saying, you know, like just for yourself, like, you know, if you if you if you're feeling down, you know, then, you know, if you start smiling, then you'll realize brighter days are ahead. Like it's almost like a bit of, you know, uh, uh, kind of like a kind of self-help thing. Um, although I do kind of like that he in the second verse, he throws in, you know, a smiling face you don't have to see. Because it's as joyful as a Christmas tree, and I'm like, hold on a second, where did that come from? What's going like? Um, all of a sudden, now we're going to have to be having a debate about whether or not fulfilling this first finale is a Christmas album, and it's just such, such a weird sentiment, just to kind of out of nowhere, just go, uh, yeah, it's it's as joyful as a Christmas tree. I don't know how a Christmas tree is joyful, but you know, if it, it feels again, this is one of the, like Stevie Wonder's kind of songwriting style when he's by himself is a lot more kind of simple. Um, and I th- and kind of straightforward, and I think that's this is kind of one of the things where that kind of comes through, where it's like he's going with like the simplest simile he can think of, and just you know as joyful as a Christmas tree is like as much as he's got, and it's like okay, um, and then he does say you know love within, and you'll begin smiling. So it's like you know if you love yourself, then you know you'll begin smiling, and the brighter days ahead. So yeah, it, it isn't. I mean, of course he says so for a friend, please begin to smile, please. So it's like. You know, almost like you're saying, for me, come on, for Stevie. Yeah, Give on. us a it's smile. Yeah. And the only way... It's your boy. And the funny thing is, of course, the only way that Stevie will know that you're smiling is by him placing his hands on your face. So it's like, it's, a, <laughs> it's an extra level of intrusive, um, you know. And I, I, I mean, like when he's saying, you know, love's not competing, it's on your side. Your life's in, in picture. So why must you cry? Like he's, you know, he's kind of almost saying, you know, what is getting you down? What can we do to kind of make that better? And, you know, make you smile again. And, uh, you know, that doesn't feel quite as, you know, telling people to smile more. You know, it just it feels more like him trying to figure out why this person is unhappy. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm your friend. I want you to be happy. Yeah. And the first thing, the first, the first way to making yourself happy is to accept that you can be happy, basically. Yeah. So go for and, it. Um, and then, of course... Oh, we get to the chorus where he just sings bum <laughs> bum diddy <laughs> bum bum diddy bum and that's so fun yeah so if you you know and I think the funny thing is as well at the end of each chorus line there's like this weird kind of like wow noise that he makes like just kind mm. of almost like a cat meowing and so it, I don't know I think I think you know he, he understands how ridiculous this chorus is and I think that's meant to be the point is like you know it's it's kind of just silly. Like, you know, he's trying to find out what's making this person sad. And it almost feels like to kind of make them happier, he's willing to do something a bit silly, like sing this chorus. Uh, but at the same time, it sounds like it's being delivered by an angel. So, like, you know, it's it's not like... That's that's the word. It's so weird. There's, there's, a, there's a story I heard once. and it, When I come across somebody like Stevie Wonder, who sings a song like this, and then he's like... Bum bum diddy bum, right? And it's that's literally it. That's what it is. That's what he's doing in a in a beautiful voice, and it's very melodic. And it almost feels like he's taking a he's taking a bet from somebody. Like I bet <laughs> you can't do this course. As I remember hearing, uh, I love Paul Simon, for example, and he does. This, he's a beautiful song called Bernadette. Mm-hmm. And it's a wonderful, gorgeous song, right? And I remember reading somewhere, and then I went and I checked it up, and it's in one of his his um, biographies, one of his authorized biographies that he wrote the song Bernadette because somebody said to him, I don't think you can write a song, a beautiful song about certain names that you have, like you're, you're fixed into having certain names. And then the person that said, you can't write something about Bernadette. Like you couldn't put, that couldn't be the main, the main focus of a character in a song. Yeah. And he was like, 
screw you. I'm going to go do it. And it's a beautiful song. So every time I hear this, because that story is in my head, and they're going, did Stevie Wonder get a bet from somebody that he couldn't just go, bum, bum, diddy, bum, nine times, and that's your that's your chorus to the song? Yeah. I, I, it's, I mean, I guess it's just because, like the like the main thing that he wants to get across in the chorus is just like the melody uh, of the chorus mm. and i guess like the lyrics don't really need to make that much sense so he's just like okay we'll just do i mean it's also worth saying that you know stevie wonder i mean he 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 covered songs by the beatles and he was kind of heavily influenced by the beatles and obviously there's a lot of times where beatles just had nonsense words for choruses and you know it's also something that like if you're if you're like performing a song it's easy for people to kind of just sing along to like la 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 lyrics and so that's what it feels like he's yeah. doing here he's like he, he's kind of almost thinking well when i play this live people aren't going to be singing along to the kind of complex verses but once i get to the chorus i can get a crowd kind of going with that that chorus and that kind of feels like what he's doing but at the same time it's just a bit silly and if he's trying to make someone smile then it kind of fits with the theme of the song um you know and then towards the end he does say kind of please smile for me just like in between all this kind of chorus um and i don't know i i just i really like kind of the particularly on um fulfilling this i think that the the kind of production um has kind of really matured like over the last few albums it's got kind of more and more focused so you can have a song this silly open in the album and it doesn't feel out of place you know um and yeah. just like i mean i love offender roads you know stick offender roads on any track and i'll pretty much like it um you know one of my favorite portishead songs is just called roads and that's because it's just a roads um and yeah. it like it's just it's just offender roads and i just you know that's what I, and so having that and also like i think you know obviously something that gets underestimated with steve wonder is the drums and i think the drums on this aren't that complex but it's a nice kind of simple beat um and then over the top of it like kind of the electric guitar and bass something that he'd obviously added over the last couple of albums it gives it a slightly different sound to kind of the heavily synthesized stuff that he'd, he'd been doing in the last couple of albums and you know i think from this point on if you're listening to this album you're like oh so this is like the direct like it's a bit more a beat than the previous few albums <laughs> like the last couple of albums have been very much like about his relationship and stuff whereas this feels like a bit more of an upbeat opener to an album and you're kind of like oh so this is like the direction we're going to take and i think that's kind of true like pretty much of this entire like first side you know the first side is very much kind of upbeat and happy um you know the next side i think you know, you haven't done nothing and they won't go when I go or a little bit more kind of downbeat. Um, and I would say the same about Please Don't Go as well. And, you know, they're, they're a bit more kind of darker songs. So this first side, it's just pretty much Stevie Wonder kind of being as upbeat as possible. And I think this is like a really good kind of like opening track for the album. Darren, where is uh, Fulfilling This First Finale seen in the pantheon of of Stevie Wonder's albums? Like, is it is it seen as top five or... Is it one of his lessons? I'll be honest, I, I, I think I might be able to name, without looking at a list, I think there's 10 tracks on it, I might be able to name two of them off the top of my head. Yeah. Because I think this is the one that's got 10, heaven is 10 zillion miles away. Yeah, that's the next track. And I, yeah. yeah, and I think it's got, too shy to say, it would probably be on this one as well. <laughs> yeah. And this and but one I of the singles was I wouldn't know the rest. Like yeah, well, you haven't done nothing. Was the first single and Boogie on Reggae Woman was the second single, um, and they uh. were both. I think they were both number ones as well. Um, and the interesting thing is, you haven't done nothing, which is an anti-Richard Nixon screed, uh, was released two days before he resigned. 
So after hey, after the after it was released, don't come from don't come from my Nixon. Well, he released it, and then two days later, Richard Nixon resigned. So that's oh. the power of Stevie Wonder. Um, that is the power yeah. of Stevie Wonder. Good job, Stevie. Yeah, well done, well done, Stevie, for causing the president to resign for the first time in the so history. So what I'm saying is, like, how is it seen in like for for huge fans like yourself, or for for uh, let's just go to your Rolling Stones reviewer. Um, who's come back going, Steve, you wonder I can't play the piano. But like, <laughs> if we're going to look at those guys, where do they see this album in his full works? Kind of well, thing? I think out of the out of the four albums that kind of make up the kind of the main classic run, which is Talking Book through to Songs, um, yeah, this is probably one the one out of them that is very rarely put on any lists. Like, so the other yeah. the other three are pretty much always like top 100 albums, top 500 albums, top pop albums. Like any any kind of chart like that it kind of puts them there. There was an article that I think The Guardian did a couple of months ago that was like ranking every Stevie Wonder album and um this was like top 10. Um but but oh, wow. the uh, but so obviously songs is number 1, it goes without saying. Um but then yeah. but then talking <laughs> talking booking innovations were top 5. So, you know, all, all this run of albums, I think only, um, I, I think Music On My Mind and the other one, um, Where I'm Coming From, were like top 20. Um, but, yeah. you know, this is this is generally seen as like a top 10 rather than a top 5. I don't know, like some of these tracks are some of my favourite, you know, Stevie Wonder songs. Um, you know, it, like in particular, They Won't Go When I Go, which, you know, once I get to that, I'll kind of talk about it. But, you know, the first time I heard that song, I think I just basically found it on my iPod because I put a bunch of Stevie Wonder albums on there. Um, and I just basically put it on repeat and listened to it for about mm. 20 times in a row because I was like, this is amazing. Like, why haven't I listened to this album track before? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you know, it's just kind of kind of crept up on me. But yeah, I, th- I mean, in terms of like the overall, like the way that Stevie Wonder puts his albums together, I think this is probably the strongest. Uh, and I think that that's mainly because Innovisions, like Talking Book is kind of a bit, kind of back and forth like you have like a, a ballad and then you have like a divorce song and then you have a ballad and it, it feels a bit uneven whereas in terms of like yeah. the programming innovations in this feel a lot more streamlined and then obviously songs is such a big album that it's very hard to kind of get you kind of get a grasp on it um you know it's like 17 tracks without the ep or 21 with it that's you know that's a lot of songs um, you know, even Prince stopped at sixteen for Sign of the Times. So, like, you know, in terms of like double albums, it's it's pretty much using as much of the album as possible. So, I, I you know, I think any Stevie Wonder fan would at least say it's top ten, and then after that, it's just depending on kind of personal taste about whether or not you think it's a top five. But I think this is a great opener, so I'm going to say six out of five. Love it. <laughs> Damn. If this is six out of five, what are you going to rate every like? Right, I'm coming back again to do another episode, yeah. right? Because I, because we've talked about this before, and I, and I'm gonna do one of the songs from, uh, songs of the key of life. So if you're giving this six out of five, what are you giving to, any one of, I can think of ten songs, at least ten songs on songs of the key of life, which are in my mind infinitely better than this song. So you've already got the six out of five. Are we gonna get like? Well, I think it's a 21 out of 5, are <laughs> No, it's 6 out of 5 is the highest grade that I'm giving for Stevie Wonder songs. Um, you know, I think I figure that's, you know, pretty much as high as I can go. Uh, after that, it's just meaningless. I mean, you know. <laughs> so, well, I mean, where, where are you going to go out of the 5, Ollie? I, I like this. I like this a lot. I like this. That uh, This is the, the third time I've been on. And the first one, wasn't such a big fan. 
second time I was on, I, I uh, the, the Tonto just got to me. Um, and it made me think about it. Whereas I don't have any of those problems with it. I think this is a solid four out of five. Um, it's a good song. It feels a little bit slight. That's the only thing I can do for it. And I think it is because of my own personal dislike of bum bum diddy bum and that sort of <laughs> oh I'm just gonna say sounds instead of words in courses but that's something like I'm sure there are people listening who have heard me talk about stuff like this before because I know my friends and family listen to this here that's literally Ollie Brady's pet peeve is when somebody goes I can't think of words to put in here so I'm just gonna make sounds that you know could be words placeholders <laughs> oh no i have to get this out next week crap leave the placeholder in yeah I, I mean i think i think obviously you know i think because stevie wonders opens like the second side with like such a kind of serious political song i think he's kind of gradually mm. you know kind of getting us up to that kind of point so he's starting off with something a bit silly and light and then as things go on he's going to kind of you know get more serious i mean obviously once you get to heaven is 10 zillion light years away i mean you know, towards the end, that's just like a kind of almost like a gospel song, just repeating a chorus over and over it's again. A great, yeah, so it's, it's a great tune. So, yeah, so I mean, you know, that, I think that's going to be a clear six out of five as well. Um, <laughs> so then let's go to plugs. Is there anything that you wish to plug, Ollie? Uh, no, I, I I don't really podcast as much as I, I used to, but um, you can go back and listen to any of the podcasts I've done before. So Best Acquaintances, we did a hundred or so episodes, and basically we just talk to people myself and my partner we we would find somebody that we knew and liked from the internet and we're like what's this person like in real life and we'd ring them up and have a skype conversation it was good fun and then uh the other podcast i did was called media evil uh where my friend sarah f decker she's a medieval historian and she takes medieval set movies books tv shows and rips them apart and she is not gentle with those things and so if you want to hear uh about nicholas cage in season of the witch and how his accent uh, this is a this is a genuine criticism she has in the show is like uh, Nicholas Cage's accent is slightly too English um for the time period and where the movie is set and they're going it's a good point <laughs> but it's also not something that most of us would think about when you come to it but as medieval historian in on that like Flynn um so yeah uh, media evil or best acquaintances you can check them out Darren was on best acquaintances and he, he was a good, very good episode and you can find us on Twitter at Stevie by Wonder for this project uh, thanks once more for being my guest here today Ollie an absolute pleasure and otherwise smile <laughs>